This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. Hey, church, how good does it feel to come back in the building after an amazing weekend at the park last week? Wasn't that fun last weekend? Hey, and and, and it feels like you're walking into a new building, doesn't it? In a way, like you walk into the what used to be a lobby is now Connect Point, and that looks different and new. And if you're new with us, you're like, it doesn't look any different to me. Uh, but, but we love the way it was, but we're going to talk about a little bit more about that in a few moments. Um, but today, today, we are starting a brand new, uh, brand new sermon series. So welcome in to Radical Generosity 2022. Like this is the kickoff. This is the kickoff of this brand new message series. And I know that the moment I said generosity, like three quarters of you just mentally blanked out, right? You're you're gone because you think that we're going to equate generosity to money, right? And and I don't don't blame you. I, I I would do that too if I were you, if I believed that generosity equals money or if we believe that here at Grace Collective Church or if there's some guys going to stand up here and talk about it all day and all month that generosity equals money, you got to give more money. But we don't believe that. We don't, we, don't, we don't believe that. We believe that generosity is so much more than finances. We believe that generosity is, is bigger and, and better and deeper and higher and bolder than just money. And I don't mean like, well, I've got to be generous with my time. And I've got to be generous with my, my, my skill set. I've got to be generous with my opportunities and more generous with my words. I've got to be more generous overall. Listen, generosity is even more than all those really, really good things generosity is more than that. And so what we're going to do starting today is take a deep dive into generosity because we want to help you. We want to equip you, all of us, to lead radically generous lives. But before we go there today, let me just say again, welcome. Like we're so glad you're here. If you're here in person or you're joining us online, we are super glad that you're tuned in. And if this is your first time or maybe your second time or your fifth time, we are super glad that you are new with us because we get it. Like walking into a new church can be scary. Uh, We've all done that at some point too. But here's the thing. You're coming to a, you're new in a new church. So like we're all kind of new. And every single weekend there are new people with us. So you're never the only one here that's new. We can't wait to get to know you. Hope we've met some new people already. But at the end of this service, we want to invite you into something special. There is a brand new ministry designed with you in mind. It's called Connect Point. So if you're new, if you're like, this is your first time, my third time, your fourth or fifth time, whenever you exit here, when you go out this hallway, keep going to the end of the hallway, you'll see a big sign that says Connect Point. Other people are going to veer right to go out to their cars, but you're going to veer left. And you go right, I'm going to meet you out there. You're going to ask questions about the church. You can... Um, We're going to show you next steps into connecting with Jesus here at at Grace Collective. So we would love to meet you out there if you're new. Just hear a little bit about your story. You can stay two minutes. You can stay 20 minutes, whatever whatever suits you. But we're going to hear from you and uh, answer your questions and hopefully connect you into your next steps here at at Grace Collective. So what we're going to do this morning, though, let's get into into generosity for a minute. Uh, Generosity, listen, this is not a pledge drive. We are not giving out commitment cards. We're not asking you to make a commitment in any way. Um, we're not asking you to meet a budget. We're not, we're not doing that. We, 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 there is a budget, so you know. Um, we're not just like free-throwing money around anywhere. Um, and we believe we're following hard after God and trying to do what God is calling us to do. And we hope you'll partner with us 
in that. We, we hope that's a part of your, your already made plan. But this is, this is not about asking for commitments because it's not about us raising money. This whole message series is about you and about me learning to live after the model of Jesus to live radically generous lives. Like, listen, we, we, we are inviting you into the amazing and miraculous things that God is already doing here at Grace Collective. And hearing that, some of you are probably thinking, well, well, Rich, if it's already amazing, and it's already miraculous, what do you need me for? Well, we'll get to that. Just be patient. We'll get there as we go through the series, what we need you for. But my hope is, along the way, what you discover is you need this as much as this needs you. So that's my hope. That's my hope. So, so like most things in life, when we talk about generosity, you have opinions and you have options about how you will or will not live a generous life. And if you think about it, there are different levels of generosity. Now, maybe you've never thought about it, but you're smart people, so think about it for a moment with me. There, there are different levels of generosity, almost like, almost like a spectrum of generosity. And you know this, or you'll, you'll, you'll know you know when you think about it, because you've lived at these different levels of generosity in your life. Like, at times when you maybe you, your time was freer and your bank account was bigger, or you think your skill set was more needed, you felt like you could be more generous. Those are more generous times of your life. But here's the reality. See, generosity is not based on what you have and, your, and, and how much you give from what you have. It's, it's based on just your willingness to give whatever you have, not how high or low it is. So different seasons in your life, that shouldn't di- dictate your generosity. So, so let's talk about these different layers or, or levels of generosity because you know people and you've lived in these different layers of generosity. So here's the first one. Not. Right? You know people who are not generous. There may have been times in your life when you have not been generous. The people you know who are not generous, they just don't seem to get it. They, they'd rather take more than they give. They would rather receive more than they ever pass out. They, they want more, even if it means others having less. People who are not generous, maybe, maybe they just never learned to be generous. Maybe it was never modeled in their family. But things, things never grabbed their hearts, like the cries of the needy. And they just are not generous. And you know people like that. I hope you're not one of those people. I don't believe you are. I've seen this church's generosity. But I hope you're, you're not one of those folks. They, and this is not a judgment on them. It's just observable. Right? They're just not generous. Then the next level of generosity we could name is like nominally generous. And you know people like this. Every once in a while, something does catch their attention. And, and, and they give. Like, not often. But once in a while, they guard their time. They guard their money. They, they, they keep their skill set for things that suit them better than suiting someone else. And unless there's something in it for them, they don't really give of themselves. Like if maybe there's a kickback financially for them, then, then they'll give. Because it's more like an investment than generosity. Or, or if they want to impress somebody, then they'll, they'll do that. Hopefully get their attention. Or if they want the promotion, they'll give themselves a little bit more. And you know people like that. They're nominally generous. They're, they're, they share sometimes when it benefits them, nominally generous. And then, there's, then there are people who are normally generous, right? This is where most of us live. We're, we're pretty normal in our, in our generosity. This is where most of us live. You're generous people. You give financially to the things that you think will do the most good. Like you give to ministries, you give to organizations, hopefully like you give 
to your local church or maybe something like K-Love or whatever it is that you think is going to do the most good. And, and you're normally generous. In fact, you'll walk out of Walmart and there'll be a, a little boy, a 12-year-old boy who's got his baseball uniform on saying, can you help my baseball team get to the next level? You bet I can. And, or, or you know, someone knocks on your door and it's a swim team. They're, hey, can you, can you buy one of these, these um, coupon books from us? Another place you can go and get prayer. I'll never use any of those. In the next two years. But because you're asking me, because you showed up at my door, you bet I'll give. I'll pay 10 bucks for that. You're normally generous. You can't walk past. Listen, when you walk into the mall, you cannot walk past uh, the, the little red bucket at Christmas time. You know, and, and drop something in. They're, they're, the Salvation Army is there. So you give on the way in and you give on the way out also because you're normally generous. You volunteer at the church. You, you, maybe you work a couple of shifts in the nursery. Or maybe, maybe you coach the sixth grade girls basketball team because you give up your time. You are normally generous. That's what normal people do. We live there. We're normally generous. But there is a whole other level of generosity. We call it radical generosity. And it's radical generosity because it goes so far above normal generosity that people who are even living in normal generosity look at radical generosity and say, what what are you doing? Why would you ever go there? Why would you ever do that? Why would you ever give so much? That's radical. There's this thing called radical generosity. Normal generosity, normal generosity is when you give out of what you have, what you can afford. And we all do this, right? You'll know we do this. Like we say, what's our income? What's our outgo? What extra do we have? What do I want to do with it? And then after all of that, now how much can I give so it doesn't hurt? And that's the way most of us, that's normal generosity. Just, I, I want to give so it doesn't take away from what I want to do with what I have. Normal generosity. You give out of your resources that you have as long as they don't cut into what you want. See, but radical generosity, it's different. It's higher than. It's more than. It's more than just out of your extra. It's giving even though it hurts. It's, it's, it's giving from your time and your resources that takes away from something that you're having. You have less so others can have enough. Less people are radically generous. But the thing is, more people need us to be radically generous. And what people who are normally generous or nominally generous or not generous, what they can't understand is why radically generous people do what they do. So, so here's why. Let me tell you the secret. Here, this is, you, you want to write this down. This is so amazing, right? Here's what separates normal generosity from radical generosity. Ready for this? It's going to blow your mind. People who are radically generous live and give generously because, here it comes, they decided to. Right? That's it. Because they decided to. It's not about, it's not on how much they have or don't have. They just decided to be generous with what they do have. Radically generous people have made a decision ahead of time to just be generous, like generosity out front. In fact, if, if somebody who's radically generous finds out they don't have time to spend with other people like they need to, they will alter their lifestyles so they can have more time to be generous with people who need their, their time. They, they believe and so they act on this. They believe and so they decide that not everything that comes to them is meant for them. We'll talk about why they've decided to do that in, in a moment. But it's a conscious decision to say, hey, other people's needs will come before my wants. My giving, 
of myself and my time and my resources, my giving to improve others' conditions comes before my comfort. That's radically generous. I want to improve other people's lives. They've decided that that sacrifice to help somebody else is just the right way to live. It's a decision made before the paycheck comes and gets divided up. It's a decision made for people that they may never even meet, people they don't even know. And get this, this is, this is so outrageous. They, they're going to be, they decide ahead of time to be radically generous even to and for people who may not vote like they vote. Can you believe that? Now that's radical, right? This, this is what radically generous people do. Let's just dig into this a little bit further because I want us to see the difference where we normally live with normal generosity. Normal generosity is typically triggered. You see something, you hear something, you experience something, and you make a decision afterwards to give or whatever it is you're supposed to give. It's, it's reactive generosity. It's responsive generosity. Again, high school student knocks at your door. Hey, we're selling a coupon book. Yep. I wasn't going to, I didn't plan on spending that 10 bucks today. But now that I see you need it, I'll react and give it to you. Or, or you're walking, you're walking to um, the game downtown Pittsburgh, right? You're walking in and, and you're walking across a bridge and there's a homeless person holding a sign. No food, no home, no money, no hope. Please give. God bless. You didn't, you didn't intend to drop 20 bucks in his, in his bucket. But when you saw the need, you reacted, you responded. And so you gave. Or you hear us talk about, hey, you know what? We, we, by the way, welcome to 1045 service. First time ever, 1045. And by the way, 9 o'clock, had, a, had, a, had some really great people. 9 o'clock, like twice as many as normal, which was great. Opened up some seats up here at this hour. But you know what that means? We have double duty for kids ministry downstairs. Crew goes double now every weekend. We need people to help out. So you hear the need. Maybe now you'll sign up, right? You weren't thinking about that when you came in. But now you are. You're going to think about it all day. God's not going to let you off the hook. <laughs> But it is, it's, it's, it's responsive, right? It, it's, it's reactive. Uh, when you're presented with a need, that's when you get generous. But it's not something you were, you're thinking about doing until it was presented. See if this helps at all. When we were living in South Georgia, Marcia was teaching in the public schools. My girls were, well, actually, my first daughter was the only child we had at that point, my McKenna, like 25 years ago. She, um, when, I, when I was, was at home, I was a pastor, but my office was at the house. I raised her, like, the whole first year of her life. Uh, staying home with me every every day because Marsh was teaching in the schools. And so when things came up like, oh, it's a, it's a well baby visit at the doctor, then I'm going to take her to the well baby visit at the doctor. So I, I one day we had a scheduled appointment. I, I put her in the, in the car seat, uh, get her diaper bag together. She's t- like 10 months old. We drive in, into the town where, where it was and we go in and we sign in. We wait in the waiting room. Then we wait a little bit longer. Then we wait a little bit longer. And, and, and then by the time uh, it's our turn, we call us back. We go back. And we're, we're waiting for the doctor to come back. And the doctor came back and he said, hey, we're going to do all these tests on her today. She's a well baby thing. And he does all the things he's going to do. Then he pricks his finger, her finger, takes some blood. And it puts it like a Barney Band-Aid. Is, is Barney still a thing? It was, you know, 25 years ago. Barney Band-Aid on it. Big purple dinosaur. And, and, and um, then I'm holding her in my arms. And he said, I'll be back in a few minutes. We'll, you know, we'll get this tested. And he goes out. And, and that's when I noticed something. That she started like, coughing. Like choking coughing. Like not breathing, coughing. And you know what I did? I did something I didn't plan to do. I looked at her, and she's turning blue. I walked in the hallway, and I went, Doctor! Doctor, you 
And he can fly. Like his, his, his little medical coat was flying behind him. He was flying out of another room down the hall. What's wrong? What's wrong? He looked at me and he looked at her. And he took her out of my arms. He did a finger swab and he pulled out a Barney Band-Aid that she sucked off her finger and was caught in her throat. And she could, why are you laughing? My daughter was dying. And, and I panicked. Like I got all this training, but I panicked. Like, and I did something I didn't plan to do. I, I don't normally go to the doctor's office and walk out in the hallway. Hey, doctor! We're ready now. I don't normally do that. But when the need arose, when I noticed that there was something that needed my attention, when I noticed that she was not breathing and was starting to choke, I reacted. I responded. That's what normal generosity is. The moment something tugs at your heart, something important that that moves you, you, you react to that. And it's not wrong to do that. It's not wrong, but it takes a trigger to get us to act. But what if? Friends, what if generosity did not have to be triggered? What if it just was? What if you just lived a generous life? Like, what if you just had your generosity out in front of you all the time, even before you knew there was a need? What if you lived, like, with your time and your skills and your finances ready all the time, in some cases already given to help whoever needed it when the time did arise? Even if it meant you not having as much. What if? And if you're someone, listen, if you're someone who's not generous or or nominally generous or even just normally generous, then you're probably thinking right now, why would you do that? Like, isn't it enough just to be ready so that when when the need does arise, that's when I get generous? That's a fair question. It's a fair question. And the best way that I know how to answer it, I, I, I believe, is to look at a model of generosity that has been given to you and to me. In fact, I'm going to give you two models from the same scripture this morning. So what I want to do, I'm going to ask you to listen to something written by a man named John. Now, this comes from John. John was an apostle, one of the the, the 12 of Jesus. He was one of the inner guys of Jesus. Um, He was very humble about himself. He's the one he said Jesus loved, like more than all the others. And so so this is John. He's writing um, uh, the gospel of John. But I don't want you to listen like I'm reading the Bible. Because when he wrote this, it wasn't the Bible. There wasn't the Bible when he wrote this. This was a guy writing a biography, writing a letter, writing a record of the amazing things he'd experienced by following Jesus. And he thought the world should know. He's he's writing to to let people know Jesus really is God in the flesh. You'll call it God in a bod, right? He's here. God came to earth for us. And he's writing about this, recording this. And, and by doing this, John is being radically generous. Because by writing what he wrote, he was putting his life in jeopardy. If anybody found out what John was writing and what John was doing and what John was telling, you know what they would have done? They would have arrested him and tortured him and tried to kill him. Wait, they did do all that. They did do all that. He didn't wait for the need to arise. He said, I've seen, I've seen Jesus and he modeled this generosity for me. So I'm going to put my generosity, I'm just going to go ahead and write this out because people need to know and then I'll deal with whatever comes after this. He was being radically generous. 
And he wrote about Jesus. So as, as we read this in just a moment, I want, you, I, want you to, I want you to hear it from the heart of a man. I believe Holy Spirit inspired this. But I believe it also comes from a man desperate, desperate for you and for me to know it. And, and, and this, this, this is so cool about what John wrote. He, he actually wrote later. He said, you know, if I were to record everything that Jesus said and everything Jesus did, the whole world would not be big enough to hold the volumes of books it would take to contain it all. So think about that. Everything that makes the page in John's letters, because he wrote this and three other letters in our New Testament. Everything that he wrote that makes the page that, that took the ink is gold. This is, this is it. Because everything he put in, for every, every line he wrote, there were thousands of lines, thousands of lines he didn't write. Not that they weren't important, but he said, this is what I really want you to know. So you, you, you just can't flippantly read through the stuff John writes. He's, 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 he's put down the best he knows to put down so that you and I, people he would never know. He wasn't sitting there 2,000 years ago thinking of you or me. He didn't even know we'd ever exist. This is John being radically generous, no matter what it cost him, putting it up right out in front so that you and I could have a chance to know who Jesus is. And he, and he writes about Jesus. He writes about his experience with Jesus. This radically generous guy named John writes about Jesus. And, and this, is, this is the most famous, probably I'm guessing the most famous verse in the whole Bible. But listen to what he writes with fresh ears from a man desperate for us to know it. He writes, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Do, 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 you, do you know the context of that? Jesus, Jesus was meeting with a man named Nicodemus. And, and, and Nicodemus, he was playing for the enemy. I, I know that by the end of the story, he's a good guy. And at this point, he's like a seeker, but he's still on the enemy's team. He, he was working with he was part of the group of, of men who were the, the Jewish leaders. And these are the guys. They wanted Jesus out of the way, out of the picture. They wanted Jesus off the face of the earth. These are the guys who didn't like Jesus, always tried to trap Jesus. These are the guys who convinced the Romans to take Jesus' life, to crucify him on the cross. And yet Jesus is meeting with this guy, with, with Nicodemus. And again, I know he turns good at the end, but, but he was part of a team. He was part of a team that wasn't knocking on Jesus' door and saying, will you buy a coupon book and support us? Jesus is talking to a guy that was part of the team. He's like, hey, we're here to take you down. But this is how Jesus lived his life, with generosity out front. Jesus came. Jesus came to earth with a decision already made that even to people like Nicodemus, that he would be radically generous, that he would give his life. He would cost him everything so that you and I could have everything. Even before people asked, even before people knew him, even before they know they needed to, to, to know him. This is what God did before you or me or anyone else knew we needed him. God came, even before you ever wanted him. Like you may be listening online or here this morning and thinking, I don't even know if I want Jesus. Hey, that doesn't stop the fact or deny the fact that God did this ahead of time because he loves you. Like, you may not want anything to do with him, but he wants everything to do with you. So he came and he made this decision ahead of time. He wasn't trying to get anything in return. Think about this. 
You don't, you don't add value to God. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't offer this to you thinking, man, if I can only, if I can only get Jeff on my team, my, I'll be so much better. God, God doesn't do that. There's, there's nothing you can do to add value to God. I don't add value to God. Yes, he delights in us. I can't figure out why. He just does. There's nothing you or I bring to the table that makes God better or richer or bigger or better or more than he already is. Nothing. In fact, when you and I stand before God, his value should go down, not up. And yet, God surrounds himself and proves generous to us, a people who add nothing to him. That is radical generosity. This is what John learned. This is what John saw. This is what John experienced for living, by living three years with Jesus. And so he made the same decision with his life that he would be radically generous and write this out, even though it cost him everything for people who would never even know. He made a decision to be radically generous, and so can you. Now, some of you are thinking, but I, not me. You don't know me. You see me on Sunday mornings. I may look like I'm generous when I hear it. I'm friendly and all that, you know, but I'm greedy. I'm way more selfish than you'll ever know, Rich. Guess what? Join the club, right? Here, here, here's the kicker to this. You may not think you can be radically generous, but here's what I do know about you. You are created in the image of God. And if God is just by himself, he's just naturally, radically generous, then guess what? You've got his genes. You have the gene of radical generosity in you. I, I know the image of God in you is, is so wrecked that we may not even recognize it, but it's there. It's still there. And you have God's gene of generosity coursing through you. So you can be radically generous. This is why you want to be generous. Have you ever met someone who didn't want to be generous? They maybe are not generous, but they've never learned to be generous. Most people, in fact, every person I've ever met wants to be generous. This is why it feels good when you're generous. How many of you ever felt that? Like you, you know that spending your money on someone, spending time with someone, giving your skill set to help somebody just makes you feel good. It's a good feeling, right? But like Boston used to sing, oh, it's, it's more than a feeling. It's way more. In fact, there's science that backs this up. Psychologists, they call it helper's high. That's what they actually call it. Studies show that helping others and giving to others, being generous with others, causes your brain to release the feel-good chemicals called serotonin and dopamine. Those are like the pleasure centers of, of your brain. And those give you this overall sense of, of, of goodness and joy. And, and studies show that being generous actually gives you a longer, healthier, more meaningful life. But those are just side benefits. Those are just side benefits. The real reason to be generous, I believe, is because God has been generous with you. He has given you everything. Jesus gave up his entire life so that you could live yours with him forever. God decided when you weren't worth it, when you weren't even looking for it, God decided to be radically generous with you. And so now, you can choose what level of generosity you're going to live at. You can choose to be not generous, 
nominally generous, normally generous, or you can choose to be radically generous. And I'm going to tell you what I believe. As a follower of Jesus, I believe there's only one option. Because it's the option that Jesus gave us. It's the way he lived when he was with us, and it's what he said for us to do. To go love others the way he loves us. And that doesn't leave room in my book for anything but radical generosity. So what does that look like? We'll see you next week. Come back to hear some more of the story. But to give you a glimpse of it this week, take a look at this. It's not everybody's calling to be a foster family, but it's everyone's calling to support and to help children in need. Everything we do is for the dignity and the identity of the child. And so when someone's supporting Foster Life Project, they're supporting each individual child, each individual family. I would say that we are changing lives in the city of Pittsburgh in two ways. First, we meet all sorts of practical needs. You can't sleep comfortably in a new home if you don't have sheets for the bed, if you don't have a toothbrush, you don't have pajamas, those kinds of things. We fulfill at least a week's worth of clothing for each child who comes through our doors, from back to school clothes to socks and underwear, anything you can dream of in that arena. And then on the other hand, we touch hearts and minds here. We have really grown to believe and walk in the mission of what Foster Love Project is and what it does for the community. The mission of Foster Love Project is simply love in action. We believe that love cannot just be a word that we use, but it has to be seen in the actions of how we're actively caring for kids and families in crisis situations. Each child that comes in, each family that enters, we value them. It's not about just the type or the class or where they're from, but it's valuing each of them. This work is important because it is a real need. Children are coming into foster care as such a vulnerable state, and foster love is meeting them with providing clothes, lifting their esteem, and giving strong and encouraging words to keep them rolling through this transitional period. Foster Love Project is intensely focused on the child. It's important to us when a child comes into the center that their experience is warm, loving, caring, and that they feel comfortable and um, able to be themselves. Children need to feel loved. They need to feel like they have a place where they fit in, where they can get what they need, and where they have a chance of meeting someone who has been through something similar as what they've experienced. So some of you are like, I want to give to that. Guess what? If you've already been generous at Grace Collective, you've already given to that. I don't want to stop you from giving more, but you've already given to that. See, you know, every month, every month, we take everything that comes in through your offerings, through your generosity, and we tithe generously back out, a full tithe back out into our community or, or into organizations like Foster Love Project. That was just one of the most recent ones we've done. Um, we, we, we tithe back out in, into brand new churches, other churches that we believe are getting the job done. Because we want to be radically generous as a church as a whole. And every single Tuesday morning, the lead team sits around a table and says, how can we do the most good? How can we do the most good with what God's entrusting with us here financially? And, and we do this. It's one of the top things of our, our meeting every single time we meet. And, and you'll hear more about these moving forward. Each week you hear about a different one. But when you're, when you're generous, when you're generous through Grace Collective, you're generous out. Listen, it, it's local, it's regional, it's, it's national. And we've already, we've already been generous with a pastor, Pastor Vassal, 
um, and his church in the midst of Ukraine, in, in the war zone. And we've been able to be in connection with them and, and be generous tithing to him. So you're reaching around the world. You're reaching around the world with your generosity. Thank you for being generous here and then through here to others. We're going to talk more about that as we move forward through this, next, through this series in the next few weeks. But right now, let's just concentrate on one thing. Let's just look again at how generous God has been to you. We're going to celebrate today what we call Holy Communion. If this is new for you, it's okay. You don't have to participate. But if you understand what this is, you are welcome to participate no matter who you are. If you did not receive communion elements, we've got these fancy schmancy little cups. Um, but we, we have some, uh, Paul and Leslie would love to hand these out to you. If you don't have one, raise your hand. They'll give you one. There are regular and there are, we call them caffeine free. They're actually just gluten free. Okay, y'all got them? Okay, let me just remind you what these actually represent. These represent the generosity of Jesus to you and to me. When Jesus knew it was the last night of his life, he he already decided he knew exactly what he was going to do. He got together with his 12 apostles and they had their last supper together. That's why we call it the last supper. And he said to them, I've yearned to do this. Like I, I, I want you to know that I love you so much. I'm about to give my life for you. I'm giving everything for you, just radical generosity. But I want you to do the same thing for others. So if you're in this with me, if you're all in, then take this bread and eat it. And they did. And the same message Jesus gave back then is the same message he gives today. He loves you. He gave himself for you. And if you'll do the same and live that way with him, then let's partake together. Now, on your cup, there are two layers. If you do just the top layer, you'll get the bread. Peel it back. And let's partake together. But Jesus wasn't done. Jesus took the cup, the common cup on the table. They had wine, we'll use juice. But he said, this is, this is like my blood about to be poured out for you. Again, I want you to understand what I'm doing for you. I'm being generous to you. Inviting you into a brand new way of living life forever with me. But right here, right now, for others. And if you will be generous with them like I've been with you, then drink this with me. And they did. Let's do the same. Jesus, thank you for giving us something tangible that we can hold in our hands and use as a symbol to remind us of the reality that you love us amazingly. Thank you for your radical generosity to just right out in front before we knew you, before we wanted you, before we knew we needed you. You had it already given. And Lord, we're thankful. Help us to to live the same way you did, Jesus, to follow your model. It certainly worked with, with the gospel writer, John. So, Lord, why can't it work with us to begin to live radically generous lives out front for all the people our lives pass by every single day? Lord, help us to live like you did. We pray this, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. 
At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus, everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.